Chapter 8, Fight Night What do you mean Breezy kissed a ghost? Boss, the silver is alive. Jeremy and Teague saw his double marks, and Breezy, well, she checked his tongue just to be sure. List, what the feth does his tongue have to do with anything? He's a silver-tongued devil. Breezy almost fainted again. What do you mean, almost? I swear he could have dropped us both, and he didn't. He wanted us to find him. He was looking for something. And yet you let him walk? He wasn't alone. He has friends in high places. Who? They didn't say, but by the high-end fashion they were flaunting, I'd peg them as overhive or close to it. They were his ticket home. The Red Baron will have my ass if I come begging for info about a noble house. Ground Zero remains our upper limit. I can't imagine what he'd do if he found out the fates had recruited a noble scion. List, I don't need your sarcasm. Just bring him in. Tell your sister to do whatever it takes. If the Grey Wardens find him first, they'll take him apart. What if he decides to visit another club and someone takes a shot at him? That would be bad on too many levels. Look, we've got a good image of him sitting at the bar and watersheds. I'll send it out announcing our newest recruit. That should provide some cover. I was flat out on the mat when Asher McNeil arrived at the penthouse gym. She took a seat beside me and began to stretch. The designer colors of her bodysuit shifted as her muscles warmed up. It was entirely unfair. My mind may have roamed, but I kept my eyes firmly on the mat in front of me. Where's Court? She smiled. He'll be with us in a few days. That place you picked serves up a different level of intoxication. Did you like it? She shrugged. Did you like my new outfit? I tried to play it safe. It scared me. She smiled as she brushed a bit of invisible dust from her thigh. Agnes says that I should be a fashion model. What do you think? You'd have to change your name. Is Silver Restricted not good enough? What do you know about that? I know that's what popped up on the doorman scanner last night when we entered the club. Is that why they called you Silver? I nodded. Our anonymity protects us. We barely got out of there last night as it is. Being anonymous scares me more than that club. I smiled. Then you should be a fashion model. Just don't go into Sub-Zero without your bodyguards. Or better yet, stay right here so I can dream again, I thought. Neither option would be all that safe. Our bodyguards were ex-PDF and the best our houses could find, but they weren't wearing any augmented auras and relied too heavily on weapons that might malfunction at the worst of times. My brother was trying to impress you. Is that why you took my PDF officer slot? And my girlfriend? We're all trained to branch out and take an opening when we see it. Ash continued her exotic poses, stretching muscles that I didn't know existed. I could see the opening she offered and the dead end waiting right around the corner. I wanted to ask whether or not I was part of the club again, but found that I didn't really care. I let the blue drain away from my eyes until only silver-clad irises stared back. She stopped what she was doing and whispered, How do you do that? We were the only two present, and neither one of us was bored. I slowly crawled in her direction until we were nose to nose. She didn't flinch away as I brushed my fingers through her hair and my lips against her ear. It's a secret, I whispered back. The scent of her perfume mixed in with a hint of last night's lounge was as compelling as her vibrant flexwear, but to tell her the truth would have ruined everything. I hopped up and ran for a cold shower. Parrick, you've improved. I reached down to help LT Skidmore up off the floor. For years, I'd trained on the moves and techniques for attacking, defending, and disarming the enemy, whoever they might be. I was better than most, but not great. I was never at Skidmore's level until today, and I'd somehow gone beyond it. 
LT, sorry about that last move. I may have thrown you harder than I planned. Skidmore was a legend in hand-to-hand -hand combat. His class was mandatory, and to graduate, a cadet had to last 30 seconds in the circle with him. I just tossed him out of the circle. You've been working out? I think my time in a Medicaid vat added more muscle than anyone realized. Quickness, too, and a higher threshold for pain. I should be so lucky. I'll be heading there this afternoon to find out what you knocked loose in my shoulder. Parrick, consider yourself graduated. I would give you my highest mark, but they've scrubbed your record from our system. The news almost knocked me out of the ring. How is that possible? You're asking me? Ask your father. I only work here. The thought terrified me. If I could be scrubbed from the PDF cadet system, I could be scrubbed from anywhere, and the House Killhaven roles were a life-ending example. I could envision my father's face or that of Confessor Lewin plotting their next moves and erasing my existence if I got out of line. I rushed home, hoping to make it inside the confines of the overhive before I was locked out. You're home early, dear. My blue eyes had made all the difference for my mother, that and the ongoing founding of the Fulcrum 10th. With my PDF career permanently on hold, she was worried I'd enlist with the Imperial Guard and ship out, never to be heard from again. I was saving that as a backup plan in case my shot at oblivion missed the mark. I passed my PDF hand-to-hand -hand final, top grade in the class. They let you take it? My marksman final was withdrawn for safety concerns, but nobody could find a rule that disqualified me from rolling around on a mat as long as there was enough padding on the walls. An envelope arrived while you were out, came through the overhive service gate with our lunch, and it's already been scanned for safety and identification. Inside a gray sleeve, I found a low-def 5x7 grayscale print of me sitting at a bar. A heart was drawn around my face with a waxy red lip covering. The envelope didn't have an address, to or from, not even my name. Looking closely, I realized it was a snapshot of a photo on someone's personal comm device. Being delivered in an anonymous hard copy made it virtually impossible to trace back to its source. Who's it from, dear? A new friend, I guess. It's signed with a heart. Not Callie, then. My mother tapped the table before her, working on the daily puzzle from the hive's central net. I could see her trying not to smile at the subtle dig. I said, no, not Callie. When's the general due back? Well, I didn't send it. Confessor Lewin slid the photo back across his desk. It's not my color. Everyone seemed to be enjoying the picture's sudden appearance. I sighed. I'm worried that I met someone in Sub-Zero last night that recognized me and knows where I live. All the better. They won't dare harm you if that's the case. Are you sure? What about the Underhive? I didn't realize that they condoned their opposite number. You were in Sub-Zero, not the Underhive. How deep were you? 40B. I wondered how much I should share. And? The Underhive gang has considerable influence in Sub-Zero. As much or more than we do in certain areas. The Fates and the Arbiters seem to have an unspoken agreement to avoid stepping on the other's toes. It would be a bloodbath otherwise. I suspected as much. Have you found a way in that won't upset the locals? I'm getting there. This message might be a sign in that regard, but I don't know if it's a warning or an invitation. Why not both? The Confessor's mask was dead serious now. There are two layers to that photo, maybe three. Do you know where it was taken? Yes, a bar with underhive connections. A bar with underhive connections and a video sensor covering the counter. They captured your image and sent it to someone's device. I'm assuming someone else took a photo of it, printed that out, and added a message in red. A warning from a friend? Perhaps. 
or an invitation from an enemy? Which do you think is more likely? Probably the latter. I'm not that lucky. In your case, an invitation might be useful. It all depends on where, but they didn't leave an address. You said that you know the bar. What's it called? Watersheds. Odd name, that. An old name. The Hydra Cluster was built on a massive watershed. It's how the cities can survive with their incredible population density. Our recyclers can only do so much. My father always said that House Gund was the most critical overseer in the cluster. They controlled engineering, which maintained the power, plumbing, transportation, sanitation, and air for every hive. They knew the secrets and the esoteric agents that optimized everything from filters to power sources for billions of people. Take any one of those systems offline, and you would have an instant disaster. Sharing the responsibility, the PDF guarded the central water sources, main air handlers, and power reactors embedded in each hive city. When the lives of billions were at stake, inter-family rivalries were kept to a minimum. As much as I knew the bar in question, I also knew dozens of others between sectors 30B and 40B. Managed by the fates, each club would have its own sensor suites for any unknown arrivals. So as an invitation, I didn't think location mattered. On the other hand, if it was a warning to stay away from their sub-zero properties, my only option was far more dangerous. I decided to play it as the silver-tongued devil would see it, and he needed to get out more. I started at the top, waltzing through a club on 30B. The night was fairly young, and the lines had yet to form outside Club Vale. Inside, customers were working on their mood and withstanding a relentless assault by waitstaff, mega-speakers, and walls of mind-altering mirrors. I took a quick tour of the place, and the mirrors bothered me whenever I caught a glimpse of myself. My blue eyes may have helped others, but they were an outright lie. I wasn't my old self not even close. Nobody messed with me at that club or the next or the next. I didn't wait around too long in any one place, hoping to get a mere hint of each operation before I moved on. If I were a rival gang member scouting out potential targets to hit, I would have come away with plenty of options, but none of them were easy. The clubs were all eerily similar, employing plenty of multicolored corruption, and for the most part, I was ignored. The vortex in Sector 37B changed all that. As the night deepened, lines to get in had finally formed everywhere, and I could clearly tell from the Vortex's clientele that this wasn't a dance-and-drink lounge. Not tonight, anyway. Bodyguards laced the crowd outside, but no one in the line shimmered with any hues other than those of mere mortals as I approached the front door. The place was swimming with purple-tinted bouncers, and a frequency of added aggression escaped from speakers running overhead. Just standing there, I wanted to hit someone. Who'd want to get their customers so riled up that they'd come inside and smash the furniture? The bouncers were scanning and patting everyone down, and most patrons wore loose-fitting clothes or workout wear. Boots were the norm. The next group showed me their teeth as I waited for the current group to clear the door. A bouncer waved me forward with a smile as a hand suddenly snagged my arm. Ladies first. Breezy guided me up the steps. It wasn't that I couldn't walk in on my own but I was having a hard time looking anywhere but at the woman next to me. She ditched her long coat with its myriad of defenses for a deep blue mini-dress and high-heeled boots. Welcome to the club. You still there, Silver? I nodded. I was 17. Breezy had to be at least 20. I'd started my day admiring the young form of Asher McNeil, not understanding what a few more years could do to polish things into utter perfection. 
Through the front door, we ascended to another platform overlooking a huge circular dance floor. A band on stage at the far side of the room had its own line of defense as it thrashed out more discordant melodies. Below us, the crowd jumped, danced, dodged, and pummeled each other senseless. Agile fate blues filtered through the raucous crowd, dragging out the unconscious. It was mayhem in the most glorious and brutal scene I'd ever witnessed. All the bar counters were positioned on our level, serving painkillers and booze to those who had survived or had yet to dive into the brutal pit below. Patrons made bets in a frenzy. The house offered a big board, and individuals made their own games. It was that sort of night. I let go of Breezy's hand. I didn't like the clash of feelings, one of violence, one of unmet intimacy, spinning around in my head. Welcome to fight night. Breezy leaned in, practically yelling over the noise. She pointed to a door on the far side of the immense round. I left my coat in the private lounge. Meet me there. A pair of bouncers stood guard, more purple, suddenly split by a flash of blue. Breezy had flown right through the melee and in heels no less. I couldn't even map her path across the arena as the chaos continued. Your turn. List egged me on, hoping to see what I could do. Who are those with the colored lasers on their backs? Throughout the crowd, color-coded lasers tagged individuals with yellow, red, white, and blue dots. People earn points for takedowns and time served on the floor. Knocking out colors will earn you extra points. An AI keeps score, and if anyone reaches 100, they win the knight's jackpot and bragging rights for the next week. Who's winning so far? The yellow has at least 50, the blue's 40, the red's 30, and the whites each have 20. As we spoke, a small horde surrounded and sacked the yellow. I could hear the cheers erupt from the line outside. Fight night's lucre lived on. Unfortunately, I had more important things on my mind. Is your sister Breezy about to kill me? What do you mean? That dress is lethal. I may be in over my head here, but I'm not blind. This is a total trap, isn't it? List stared over at the bar, trying to ignore my concern. It wasn't a good look. List was simply there to close the deal. Are you having second thoughts? And ignore a beautiful woman like that? I was having numerous thoughts about his sister, knowing that it was all part of the web I'd fallen in. I stripped down to my tank top. Weapons were prohibited in the arena below, making my jacket obsolete. And besides, nothing could make me feel less vulnerable except a dive into the chaos of the ring. List, please hold my coat. It's new, and I don't want to mess it up. I'll see you on the other side. I leaped over the rail into the melee, and the show began. I didn't have quite the same speed as Breezy or List, but I'd nipped some of their blue energy along with a bit more off of a passing bouncer. Beyond that, I was all silver. The crowd was my camouflage. Everyone moved all the time. I did the same, but with a rhythm and an illusion that continually broke the line of sight of everyone around me. I circled, always looking for my next sure takedown. Takedowns only counted if the other person remained down for at least 10 seconds. They could always hoist themselves up and back into the fight later, but they'd be starting the game from scratch. Reaching 20 points, I felt like a true target as a white dot started following me around the huge floor. Somewhere, a fog machine began dumping buckets of mist into the room, highlighting the lasers and adding to the difficulty for the leading scorers. I used it to my advantage. Instead of stalking and taking my prey by surprise, I danced in one general spot, drawing in those nearby. Takers could see the white dot more easily than my camouflage fist or boot, and my dot quickly turned to red. Suddenly I had a bit more room to maneuver and fewer attackers to fend off. 
Zaxeus would have hated this game. The warp hunter always analyzed the situation carefully to get a single strike, and it moved steadily as it stalked its prey. I found that beyond odd for a creature of chaos, but decided to give it a try. I merely had to map my surroundings to something more tangible in my head. The band and its stage were a trap. Small groups had planted themselves in front of it, soaking in the aggression and preying on singles that tried to do the same. I arrived at the far stairs, having only a short climb to reach the lounge door. On the opposite side of the room, the front door let in another big batch of well-wishers. They charged the dance floor in a tight pack, quickly dominating that side of the arena. If I didn't know better, I'd have thought it was a raid by the Adeptus Arbitus. Far to my right, a yellow dot appeared, defended by a total of seven red and blue dots. The henchmen softened up the attackers while the yellow dot finished them off. It was the first real sign of teamwork I'd noticed thus far. It called to me as a boot to the side of my head sent me reeling into the wall. I bounced off and moved past the next kick, slapping the man upside the head and turning off his self-control. Given a slight burst of sunshine on his nervous system, some static perhaps, he dropped. Suddenly, I was wearing blue in a sea of whites, and the yellow canary still called from its cage in front of the band. I'd been dead for a year, maybe more, and now I raged as a dozen options, each tied to a different result, flowed through my head. The kick to the head had been a good one, and it set my priorities straight. Enough messing around for one night. You could say I went full silver at that point, using every bit of power I had to run and slide into the yellow's waiting circle. I took out two bodyguards on my way in, dropping them before they could even think to jump, and collided with the yellow dot marking a fit woman with short blonde hair. The sour look on her face relaxed as I threw her into the blues on our left. She was out cold before she landed, and the blue dots took their precious time figuring that out. Four more henchmen went down, leaving only one. The last had waited for me to turn around and timed his strike accordingly. I could count, and knew it was coming. The man should have struck while I was offering my momentum to the lady in yellow, but sucker punches weren't his thing. He wasn't a hunter. He was a killer. Maybe it was the red laser that confused me, but now I could clearly see a thin layer of grayish energy coating his skin, and in his hand, a short blade, maybe five inches of straight steel, pierced my left ear instead of my eye as intended. What the feth was that, I thought. The blade was coated too, with the same gray mist. It clung to the side of my head and penetrated my mind, burning away the warp taint and melting away unwanted doors. My arms suddenly felt heavier, as did my boots. My stolen warp talents disintegrated. Maybe this was what the warp hunter feared, meeting its own match and being thrown back into the sea of souls for good. I'd gone from being a dominant fighter to an average one in an instant. The powers of blue, yellow, and purple were gone while Mr. Gray stood within arm's reach, waiting for me to drop. It didn't happen. I was more than a cache of stolen corruption. He gave it a second go, lunging for my midsection. My jacket would have stopped that cold if I'd still had it on. Instead, I punched out with my hand, catching the blade through my palm. My fingers wrapped around his knuckles, and as I gripped them, I shifted the man's own energy away from his heart. He was out in an instant as his heart muscle cramped up. I followed him down to the floor and pinched his dagger, sliding it into my boot. Kneeling over the dead man, I screamed out, List! My jacket! There was no way List could have heard me but he arrived in less than a second, handing over the garment. Feth. I was going to mess it up after all.
Reaching into my coat pocket, I pulled out a pair of metacuffs and clamped them onto Mr. Gray's wrists. I pressed play. The bar staff might have had a few pairs on hand, but I doubted it. This place lived on the edge. A spotlight surrounded us. The brawl was over, at least for the moment. List pointed up the stairs toward the private lounge. You won the round, Silver. Go claim your prize. Breezy waited at the rail, wearing her long coat over the incredible dress. Knowing her holsters were hot-loaded just out of sight made it even more of a turn-on. Still, she'd been the bait and nothing more. Her league was in an entirely different universe from mine. Feth. Maybe next time. Stuffing a bloody hand into my jacket pocket, I turned around and walked out the front door. The band raged on.